Welcome back to the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, and we have been reading The Judas Epidemic, Exposing the Betrayal of the Christian Faith in Church and Government. Hope you've been enjoying the reading. We're almost finished. We have uh, one more chapter and an afterward to go. This could be, and probably is, what I would consider to be the most important chapter of this book, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the reason I consider it to be that is that although while the information that precedes this chapter is critical information to know, uh, the information that we're about to go over in chapter 13, uh, the information we're about to read is the most important information that an unsaved person, that an unbeliever can ever hear. It's a message of salvation. The true Christian, biblical, gospel message of salvation. Please, listen carefully and consider seriously. While we read chapter 13, Jesus saves an invitation to salvation. As I conclude this book, I find myself reflecting upon the fact that we live in a world where there seems to be no lasting peace or stability. We see evidence of this fact every day when we watch the news and see constant turmoil in most countries on this planet. The economic, political, social, and religious climates on this terrestrial ball are in consistent upheaval with different factions either outright warring with one another or, or covertly devising plans for mutual destruction. There is a palpable sense of fear, disillusionment, uncertainty, and anger among most of the citizens of this place we call Earth due mainly to precipitous declines in morality and the precipitous increases in greed, hatred, and corruption in the highest levels of our governmental institutions. It is indeed sad and sobering to see what has become of the world in which we live. While it appears that an attitude of apathy and hopelessness are occupying the forefront of most of the world's cultures, and despair seems to be reigning supreme all over the world, this author takes great pleasure in being able to tell you that there is hope. Hope for a world gone awry. Hope for every individual human being that lives and breathes on earth. A hope that has always been there for each and every one of us if we would only open our hearts and minds to receive it. That hope, that chance of salvation, rests in our Creator, Jesus Christ. It is true that I have written this book primarily to Christians as a dire warning to them of the extreme dangers of heresy and apostasy that are so prevalent in the church of today, as well as secular society. However, my hope and prayer is that many non-Christians 
and unbelievers of every walk of life, of every philosophical belief system outside of Christianity as well, will read this book and come to see the beauty of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he has done for those who believe in him, as well as what he wants to do for those who have not yet believed in him. It is my fervent prayer that many who are outside of the faith will come to the saving knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. With that being said, I would like to devote the rest of the text in this final chapter of the Judas epidemic to unbelievers, to those who have not yet placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our Christian faith. Dear unbeliever, God did something for you a long time ago, before you were even born into this world. God made a sacrifice for you that would seem unfathomable, unfathomable to most human beings. He sacrificed his own son in order to save you. You see, God knew that you would be born into a world full of sin and that sin would be part of your nature as a human being. He also knew that your sin nature would never allow the two of you, God and you, to be together as he wants you to be. God knew that he would have to pay a ransom, if you will, in order to rescue you from eternal separation from him. That ransom was paid by God in the form of his only son, Jesus Christ. So God sent an intimate part of himself, Jesus, to earth in the form of a human man in order to be sacrificed on your behalf. And Jesus Christ was sacrificed. He was crucified, put to a horrible agonizing death on a cross, a death so horrifically painful that it would be hard to imagine, and he did it just for you. But why would God do that for you? Well, the answer to that is really very simple. He did it because he loves you. That's right. God loves you so much that he willingly sacrificed himself on your behalf. What an amazingly deep love. Just think, God's grace toward each and every one of us must be immense in order for him to sacrifice his own son for us. Now this was an incredibly generous and gracious gift that God gave to a sinful race of humans that really do not deserve it because of our sin. And he did it because he wants us to be with him after our earthly lives are over. But because God created us with a free will, he also knew that it would ultimately be a decision that we had to make for ourselves as individuals. This is also part of God's grace. He allows us to make a decision to give our hearts and souls to him or to choose not to. Dear unbeliever, 
because you have this ability to choose, it is God's wish for you to choose him. Choosing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ gives you eternal life, but turning away from him results in eternal death and torment in a place called hell. God is very honest with us about this choice, and he wants you to make the right choice. Making the right choice involves you as an unbeliever realizing that you are a sinner with a sin nature and realizing that your sin is what will keep you separated from God. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 3 verse 23, quote, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, unquote. That means that we all enter into this world in a sinful state, and we cannot fellowship with God because of it. God tells us further in the Bible, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, quote, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Unquote. God is explaining here that eternal life in heaven after we die is a gift that he is willing to give us if we will just accept that it is only he that can give it. We must also realize that there is nothing we can do to earn this gift. It is only through God's grace that we have this gift, gift offered to us. God also explains how much he loves us, as we read in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, unquote. This verse explains that even though we are sinners, and in reality, enemies of God, because God cannot fellowship with sin, he died on the cross in order to redeem us, from our slavery to sin, and make us free to fellowship with him. What love! You might be asking yourself how you can avail yourself of such a wonderful gift, and the Bible has the answer in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It says, quote, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, unquote. Amazing, isn't it? It really is that simple. Just two things. Say that you believe in Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him up after his death on the cross, and you will be saved. You see, God didn't make it a difficult thing to accept the gift that he wants to give you. He did not tell you that you had to give all of your money to the poor, did he? He did not require that you take a vow of celibacy or require you give up eating red meat, did he? Did he stipulate that you had to enter a monastery and give up all ties to family and friends in order to be saved? No. 
All he requires is two simple things. That's all. Surely these two things are not unreasonable, are they? You can do them, can't you? Of course you can. And this author prays that you will. It will mean the difference between eternal life in heaven with God or eternal death in hell without him. It's up to you. You have to make the choice. No one else can do it for you. Perhaps the most beautiful part of God's gift is the fact that it is available to anyone who will accept it. Yes, anyone. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, unquote. Wonderful. This verse says that whosoever believes will be saved from an eternity in hell. That means anyone can receive this gift, no matter who you are or what terrible sins you have committed, and we all have. You can find forgiveness and peace in knowing that you will spend eternity with your loving Creator. As a born-again Christian, I can tell you, dear unbeliever, that no matter how bad the world gets, no matter what I see happening around me, no matter what Satan tries to do to make me worry or fret about today or tomorrow, I always have total peace in knowing that Christ died to save me because he loved me and that he holds my future in his hands. I can tell you that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I died tomorrow, that I would be with God forevermore in heaven because I made a decision long ago to turn away from my sin and turn instead to the one who died to save my soul. Jesus Christ. You can do the same, dear unbeliever. If you do, then you too will have what the Bible talks about in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, and I quote, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, unquote. How about it, my friend? Would you like to be free from the burden of sin? Would you like to have the peace of God that passes all human understanding? Would you like to be certain that God is in your corner and that he has saved your soul from eternal hell? Would you like to be part of the family of God? If so, then just pray a simple sinner's prayer, which may sound a little like this. Dear Jesus, I realize that I am a sinner, separated from you because of my sin. I understand the gift that you gave me through Jesus Christ, your Son, and I want to accept your gift to me today. I no longer want to be separated from your love and your fellowship, Lord. I put my total faith 
and trust in you, Lord Jesus. And I am grateful for your grace toward me, an undeserving sinner. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior, and I give you my heart, Jesus. Amen. Dear reader, if you just said that prayer, then let me be the first to welcome you to the wonderful family of God. You're now God's child. You belong to him. He has saved you, dear brother or sister. Accepting God's gift of salvation was the best thing you have ever done, and I know that you will never regret your decision. Congratulations, and again, welcome. Now that you are saved, there are a few things you should do as soon as you can. Number one, buy a Bible and study God's Word. Know and understand as much of it as you possibly can. It is God's love letter to you. Number two, tell someone about your decision to follow Christ. It might be someone you work with or someone you live with or just a casual acquaintance. It may be an opportunity for you to help someone else come to a decision for, to come to Christ also. Number three, find a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church to attend. The fellowship of other Christians, such as yourself, is a very, very wonderful thing and is critical for your Christian growth. Four, and also, if you have further questions, I'm all, I am always willing to be of any Christian assistance to you if I can. You can contact me through my author website, through the publisher of this book. I welcome your questions, and I want to share your joy about your salvation. In closing, let me personally thank every reader for their time and attention while reading this book. I pray that it has been as much a blessing for you to read as it was for me to write. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our reading of the Judas epidemic, except for the afterword. I'm going to take a brief break, and then I will read the afterword, uh, which I requested my father to write. So he is a contributing author in this book. Your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, is the author of the afterword. So please tune in after a short break and I will read the afterword, uh, which is the final part of the Judas epidemic. Thank you for listening. Come back in a few minutes and we will do the afterword. See you soon.